feel completely destroyed. I didn't think we'd go through with it. Now it's a lot of uncertainty. It's a shock. We're all in deep shit. Better the devil you know than you don't. It goes on. It feels like the end of the world. It feels pretty bad. It's the ramifications of it all. There doesn't seem to be a plan for what we're going to do now. You don't know what to do because they're all arguing. Well, you do open them, but... I think human beings are still stupid. And ego gets in the way. I took a walk through this beautiful world. Felt the cool rain on my shoulder. Found something good in this beautiful world. I felt the rain getting colder. I believe some things to be true about England, other than that I know I can always find friends there. It's where you can find some of the best restaurants in Europe. It's beautiful. It's, I don't know, sophisticated. They're old. They've been around. But on this last trip, unexpectedly, the mood in London became darker, more uncertain about the future. The British people spoke last night. Brutal wake-up call. It turns out that it was about immigration, that more than half of Britain's immigration comes from outside the EU. The young are very, very angry about what's happened and the gamble that's been taken with their future. London, anyway, went to sleep thinking that England would leave the European Union. That was for the rubes, the people from the sticks, the country people, old white people, people who felt pushed out, neglected, disenfranchised by the new, the young, the foreign, the decidedly less white England of today. The votes were tallied and the majority had decided to Brexit. And we are a yes of England. The ramifications were unclear, but the financial markets plummeted, the nation's credit rating was downgraded, the prime minister resigned, and both political parties' leadership basically disintegrated overnight. In uncertain times, I always look for the comforting and the familiar. The things that always, for me, made England great like one of my favorite restaurants on earth and one of the chefs I like and respect most. This restaurant helped make a persuasive argument that there is some kind of merit to British cooking. It's absolutely true. Fergus Henderson, the most influential chef of the last two decades, even though you have likely never heard of him. He changed everything. It seems an instinctive thing to cook old school, simple, proud English country cooking but it started a quiet revolution. St. John, I love you, and I need you now more than ever. It's about the single ingredient on the plate speaking for itself right. in that classic Italian sort of way. And so you can get lost. Roast bone marrow with parsley and caper salad. Sourdough bread made here. A dish that would become absolutely iconic. If you've ever eaten bone marrow anywhere, it's very likely because they did it here first. My dinner companion is food critic and author Jay Rayner, 
a man never with a shortage of opinions. Bones. Thank you, yes. Salt. And there you go, it was you. It's a simple good thing, but is it's one of the most influential dishes like in the last 20 years. It's a good thing. You see his imprint everywhere. That's true. What's interesting is that the aesthetic gets passed down in other ways that you don't expect. Yeah. As I've become older, I've noticed the food that I yearn for is food that I react to in an entirely emotional way. The problem is that it's so very, very rare. I'm looking for a suspension no. of logic and reason. This is something that, that I got here from the beginning. Pickled calves tripe with radish, shaved carrot, and watercress. Lovely. Wow. wow. Thank you. There are some tripe dishes that are just uniquely wonderful. And it's a tricky ingredient. Once you're cooking it, it smells like wet dog. The way we smell things and taste them is very different. Mm. All no, the best foods stink. Yeah. And it's an extraordinary thing. Mm. These foods, there's a faint whiff of death right. about them, are the ones that remind you that you're the most alive. The scent of your own mortality. Of your own mortality. <laughs> Skate poached in court bouillon with fennel and green sauce of fresh parsley, herbs, and anchovies. Mm. It's nice. Savory treat. Full of kidneys. Oh, yes. Full of kidneys. They're so pretty. And how are these kidneys done, sir? Well, seasoned flour. Nice. And then with sauce. Shh, shh. <laughs> Sizzling. Tune stock. Butter. Toast. Done. Yes, thank you. Good. Well, be well. Thank you. Pig's head and potato pie. The head brined, slowly simmered until tender, stripped away from the bone, and seasoned, then baked in pastry with potatoes. Yes, please a traditional dish that exemplifies everything I believe in. Wow. Nice. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Oh, look at that. Enjoy. That's working. Is this a hot water pastry? So it's puff pastry, but somehow the transfers of fats from the pig's head out and buttery in makes it sort of crust. It's gorgeous. Indeed. Oh, God, that's good. Extraordinary. You look at this pie and it's almost like something out of a children's book. Right. The pie tradition is something very, very special. If you go back in history to the Hogarth painting, the roast beef of old England, yep. you'll realize that actually we were far ahead of the French in the preparation of beef and the roasting of meats. A lot of it was over our side of the channel. Yeah. Which is no reason for leaving the European Union. So they call it Great Britain. What's great about Britain? I can refer to a certain literacy and a wry sense of humor um, and a political tradition of democracy, which, ironically, the referendum that's caused so many of us so much pain is a perfect example of. Also, a weirdly cosmopolitan welcoming environment in which the history of immigration into the country has defined a far more open culture. Until this point, I was very, very proud but that I wouldn't be here. You know, my great-great-grandparents arrived as shtetl Jews off the boat into the East End of London, and here I am still to this day. And that's a very, very important thing. A very tolerant country. This is a very traumatic moment. Will it all work out in the end? I have no idea. Wow. It's the honest truth. Nothing is certain. 
You know what I like? A good pub. Like the Princess Victoria in West London. And stuff like this. Do you like pork scratches? I do. Thank you. Oh, that's insanely good. Maybe you wouldn't think that the legendary cookbook author Nigella Lawson and I could be friends, but we are. We are admittedly very different. She is the very definition of kindness, elegance, grace. The woman who taught England to cook. Listen. What do you get here ordinarily? Scotch egg. All right. Scotch egg, please. Some white bait and some chips. White bait? This is like the greatest thing ever, really? Mm -hmm. White bait is so good. Go to a pub and get white bait? Well, I'm sure in Dickinson, right. they used to have white bait there. Mind you, they used to have boys at the so. I can't hear you over the crunch. I'm quite here myself <laughs> over the crunch, actually. Mm. I, began to be, I lost interest in what I was saying. White bait. Tiny baby herring, lightly battered, whole and fried, tossed with a little bit of lemon juice and salt. The perfect bar food. Mm. Do you have this in states? You're starting to see them, but almost never. Beautiful, though, aren't they? And fat chips, always important. What is the appropriate condiment with chips? Being an old-fashioned, I think vinegar and salt. Mm -hmm. If I'm in Brussels or Holland, I'm fine about mayonnaise. Only oh, there. Here. I'm with you there. Yeah. And uh, what is it, chips with curry sauce? Mm, fantastic. It's really a matter mm. of how many Guinnesses you've had. A soft-boiled egg, wrap it in minced pork, then roll it in breadcrumbs, and what? Deep fry it? It's like a supernova of unhealthiness and deliciousness. This is the important thing, the softness of the yolk. Right. Who invented this? It's just fiendish. One of the explanations: Scotch used to preserve eggs and send them to England. What would happen is that they would do sort of some sort of lime on them, mm. and it would discolor them. So they then covered them to hide that. This is just right. When I grew up, they were very low rent, but very cheap, rather spooky mm -hmm. sausage meat, rock hard egg that sort of tinged like you know Uranus. All right. Uranus, as they prefer yeah. to call it now, because they get embarrassed. And then deep fried in those cheap red breadcrumbs. And then it got rehabilitated. Very good eggs, very good pork meat. All your basic food groups. Mm. These are really good. Mm, really good. Salt and fat. Nothing better. Oh, yeah. This is nice. It is nice. Strangely calm. It is an argument for England. Really? Yeah. Yeah, mm. a good pub. Yes. And if you're going to have a pint, this is the perfect time. It's, it's quiet. It is. We can pretend all is right with the universe. I'm, I'm going to pretend. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... Lately, we have been paying attention to a very different virus, bird flu, which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern. That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. England, as the anti-Brexit forces found out to their dismay, ain't London. It's different out there. And a lot of it is very, very beautiful. As we get older, we start to look backwards in our life and reflect. When we're young, we only look forward. We don't think of our past. Our past has such a small value. I'm of an age now. We become nostalgic. We become philosophical. One can, if a successful gentleman of many accomplishments, for instance, with a little bit of money to spend, make, as Emerson advised, your own world far from the madness. We're in North Wiltshire, and there's Bath in the distance. It's really beautiful. Oh, yeah. Nice view. You'll see how it just drifts away. So that's about five miles as the crow flies. There are few chefs who set the world of chefs aflame like Marco Pierre White. As young cooks, looking at his incredible rise from working-class boy to the youngest three Michelin-starred chef in the world, we were inspired. Not just by his accomplishments and his food, which were amazing. No great chef had ever looked like him before or talked like him. We were not, it appeared, alone. I want to turn Rudlow into a house, Mm -hmm. not a hotel. So when you walk inside, it's personal. Once obsessed with nothing but working the hardest, the longest... Being the best, Marco has transferred his obsessive nature to the more pleasurable task of making the Rudlow Arms his perfect place. What's important about a restaurant is a feel, not a look. You could go to the best restaurant in the world tomorrow. It could serve the best food. But if you don't feel comfortable within that environment, you'll never enjoy it. Inside is as much a project as the grounds. Every detail. Then you can be yourself. Number one, environment. Number two, service. Number three, food. A pan-roasted filet of beef with escargot. Whoa. It's beautiful. Who do you want to come here? People want to enjoy themselves. I like a mixed demographic. I want a bit of everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't just target one market. Food should be affordable. Very, very good. Has your food always reflected your aspirations and dreams rather than where you came from? I was born and bred on the outskirts of Leeds on a project housing estate. Even though I was born into very humble beginnings, I used to cross my road, walk over the golf course, and there I was on the Harewood estate, designed by the great Capability Brown, the stately home of the Earl of Harwood. That was my playground. I was fascinated by the countryside. I loved the rivers, the streams, the brooks, the fields, the woods. What was within them? That's what captured me. It was a dream. That was my escapism. My mother died when I was six. Mother Nature, she became my surrogate mother. And so therefore, I had this amazing love affair with nature. 
But look, once you go into a high-end restaurant, you're about as far as from nature as you can be. I mean, it's hard to rise up the ranks of a good fine dining restaurant, particularly in the time that you came up. Shit was not easy. Everybody in the kitchen that I started in came from a, a housing project. They were working class, they were tough, they were hard, really hard. The flip side of that coin was nature. It was all those beautiful ingredients, that beautiful contradiction. Go see my family. Piggies. Come on, piggy, piggy, piggies. Holy crap. Come on, piggies. Piggies. What's your thing? <laughs> they seem very well-groomed. They're beautiful. Don't eat. That's, those are genes, not food. They give you love bites, <laughs> trust me. Piggies. What do you think of all our friends from America? Yeah. No, what breed of pig is These are Oxford, Sandy, and Black. They're a traditional Wiltshire pig. In four months, this is how big they've got. Wow. <laughs> they remember your voice and your smell. They're really, really affectionate. Naturally living woodland. Indeed. Beautiful. It's almost, almost self-sustaining here. Well, we will be for bacon. <laughs> Bye, pigs. Piggies. Piggies. I've never been happier here. I found somewhere nice. I'm really happy. The legendary classic on Marco's original menu back in the day Pig's Trotter a la Pierre Kaufman, an homage to another great chef and mentor. It is perfection. Oh my God, that is beautiful. When I was a young cook, we would look at photographs of this dish, of my comrades and colleagues, and gape at it with wonder. First we'd say, oh my God, that's gorgeous, and how did he do it? It's got all of the textural things that every great cuisine around the world understands to be wow. Pig's trotter has got 24 bones, so you have to remove all those bones. And then you braise it for four hours. Right. It's very simple. People think it's more complicated than it is. No, this is tricky. It's a tricky dish. The hero of the dish, really, is the skin. Yes. It's just one of those great creations. As the French say, we never grow old around the table. They also say, only the first bottle is expensive. <laughs> Cheers. So this is my big project I'm working on. As I've fallen in love with this little part of England. I put myself out to graze, I suppose, Anthony. I've retired. <laughs> and I like doing what I do here. If I look at the amount of nature we have here now, since we've done what we've done, it's enormous compared to what we had. Right. You know, I like seeing the increase of songbirds, the hens with their young chicks, the geese. They're my... <laughs> Fabulous, aren't they? Amazing. They're nuts. <laughs> they are beautifully, beautifully nuts. <laughs> There's no guarantees how long we're going to be here. Just enjoy life. London is like a collective nervous breakdown. Drinking seems appropriate. But first, a proper base must be established. Some food. All right. You have saltfish callaloo, right? 
I'll have some of that. I mean, vegetable patty. Saltfish, I think I'll have one of those. And the mutton would be good. This is what happens when I come off tour. Straight here, stuff my face, then half a Guinness, and then the night's good, you know. Jamie Hintz is half the creative alliance that makes up the band The Kills. Maybe you know them from such shows as this one. And this, Peppers and Spice in Islington, is his favorite local joint for Caribbean food. I'm enjoying your currency lately. It's suddenly become very affordable since yeah, yesterday. I know, I know. You know, Britain, we've got a long history of taking back control of our country, you know, getting in the driving seat again. And then we get in there and we just let the handbrake off. And that's it, you know. Thank you so much. I'm insanely hungry. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, everything's good. The best Jamaican this side of Ocherios. Damn, that's tasty. I spent so much time hanging out with people where you just eat really posh gourmet food. And when I come off tour, I just get I start salivating when I'm on Essex Road. Mm -hmm. It is a shame they don't have a bar here, though. Right. You have to drink a lot, don't you? I know. It's, it's, it's... In my job as well. It's hard like people, people don't think about that, you know? Right. How, how much I have to drink just, just to do this. <laughs> I mean, you should be more sensitive to that. They should be. It's been one of the nastiest campaigns. So much lying, so much dissembling. Catastrophe. So far, the reaction has yeah. been, well, chaos. So, yesterday, anyway, Prime Minister resigned. Yeah. Uh, England leaving the European Union. Honestly, it kind of makes me feel like I don't believe in democracy anymore. How quickly the pound is reacting to political we're news. Entering a very dark, dangerous period. Politics where things are decided by people. People were talking about it's just dumb having a central government in Brussels. We've got nothing in common with people from Romania right. and Bulgaria. So we haven't got anything in common with people from Sunderland or Wales, you know? So they haven't got anything in common with people from London. One of some old people in Great Yarmouth, get them to decide the budget. You give like the foreign policy, get the people from Sunderland to decide that. London's a lot different than the rest of the country. Right. It's wealthier for a start. It's way more cosmopolitan. I mean, people complain about it all the time, between the people that are struggling and the people that are doing well. But it really shone a light on is how divided the country is. People don't just look at it as a financial thing. It's an issue of cultural identity. European citizens who have lived here for 10, 15 years, for the first time ever, have been the victims of racial abuse. Are you evil? British drinking patterns seem to be driven by the fact that pubs close at, what, midnight? Yeah. I noticed as we approach last call, people start, like, doubling up. <laughs> the drinking starts to accelerate in a mad panic, load as many in. I think if you extended drinking hours that you would improve behavior or make it worse. I mean, let's face it, your countrymen have a bad reputation as far as drinking. sensible, yeah, sensible drinking. Do you think that's a function of, uh... Whatever. You know, when I was 14, 15, Fear and Loathing came out in Rolling Stone. And I think it was the artwork first. It spoke to me in a really transformative way. It captured perfectly all of my rage, all of the absurdity, all of these things that I didn't think anybody else was seeing or responding yeah. to in the same way. It was unlike anything I'd seen. Artist, author, icon, Ralph Steadman continues to make art every day. 
He was the visual expression of Dr. Hunter S. Thompson's finest works. When Hunter came, 1991, to, I brought him down the pub here. Oh, Martin, this is Hunter. Hi, hello. Here would be Ralph's local, the Checkers Inn in Kent. Hunter, what do you like? Uh, she was real, please. So, uh, okay, Martin, uh, could you make perspective that a double? Well, these optics, you know, they have got nothing yeah, in them. They're tiny little chiclet sized, yeah. So, he did that twice with it. Put it down in front of Hunter. Hunter looks at it, he says, What's that, a sample? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from originally? Uh, well, I am Welsh. My mother's, she was Gwenny Rogers from Roslanagugog. Uh-huh. Don't ask me to spell that. No, no, I can't even do it myself. So how English do you feel, given that you grew up in Wales? Well, in a way, you know, it was uh, not far from Liverpool. The food is pub fare, a runny egg wrapped in parma ham and breadcrumbs, prawn cocktail for the man. I think it was the Scanlon's article, the first you worked with Hunter Thompson, Kentucky Derby. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, before that, would you say that you were a respectable figure, making a living doing your work? I mean, because you kind of were transformed very quickly into a countercultural figure. I think a lot of people will, appropriately or not, see you as an outlaw artist. Yeah, but I didn't start off wanting to be an artist. I wanted to be an aircraft engineer. I didn't like factory life, but I had to go every week to do technical drawing, and that's where the lines and circles began. Right. I've been doing a book of critical critters with beastly sneers and callous observations by Kerry Levy. He's writing about the thing. Articulated bum lice? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether it exists, but... They, I'm pretty sure they do. I, what? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. Really? Some sort of... There's definitely bum-seeking insects that I've encountered. He thinks that again. I'm obsessed with things to do with, you know, uh, laboratorial humor, but... That's kind of an English thing. Is it? I saw an advert. You, too, can learn to draw and earn pounds. I took the course while I was doing mental service. I was drawing the guys in the billet playing cards, blankets on the bed, boots in the bed. Very simplistic stuff. Nevertheless, it got me started. Have you heard of an echidna? I have not. This is a hedgehog type of creature. There aren't many of these left, you know. They reach critical stages, and this is going in too, because, excuse me, we're collecting for the endangered species. <laughs> we can all learn to do this first. Not this. Right. But this. That is very difficult. I don't think I could do that. I'm quite sure I can. My basic motor skills are not so good. Oh, blimey. More old school on the main courses. Fish and chips with mushy peas over there. Steak and Stilton pie for me. Because any mystery meat wrapped in pastry at a pub is pure crack for me. Thank you very much. Oh, you've got the pie. Wow. Oh, yeah. Hmm. We don't do this back in America. So many people have said to me, do you pencil it in first? I said, no, you just start drawing. But don't you make a mistake? I said, there's no such thing as a mistake. A mistake is an opportunity to do something else. But you have to leave it. Let nature take its course. Oh, my God. Now, isn't that lovely? That is, I like, I'm impressing myself. It's so good. All nature's impressing me, actually. But it's just so wonderful how it works. It's a kind of natural process of evolution, isn't it? It's what we're doing all the time. 
But certainly your depiction of politicians early on seemed filled with rage and disgust. Deservedly, I think. And there were some epic depictions of Nixon. Was it Nixon is Godzilla? Was it like? Yeah, he was a great subject. I mean, I've done him as a flying Nixon, a vampire Nixon. Did, did you ever get an official reaction to your work from the White House? Never. I am not a giant shitting Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to deny that. <laughs> no, it's funny how that was. Boris Johnson here. I think the hair in this case is just, it's an irresistible impulse. Well, to do it, I, I've got to come out with it more. Uh, but it's perfect. Play. Boris is our Trump. Well, they both, it is a supernova of incredibly bad hair. Yeah. I mean, the two of them together. What's happening? What's going on in this country? Is it going to be okay? Not at the moment, no. Does it say anything about the country as a whole? So I think what? it does. Perhaps there's been a secret desire to really say, wait a minute, what would it be like to be in the, the great British Isles again? I was doing this last week just because I, I can't stand snakes. So I said, okay, I'll do you one. I did one snake last week, started to do this. St. Lucia racer snake, ugh, like that. And then the next day we had the referendum. Friday morning, when people realized that it had happened, there was a terrible gloom as a sent out. We all felt it. This desire to restore England to its former glory as uh, the British Isles, it's certainly given a, a revived, a very powerful urge in Scotland to reconsider whether they want to be a part. Oh, dear. I think it's only going to get worse before it gets better. Mm -hmm. And I'm certain that what we are experiencing at the moment is a kind of rather large hangover from something that we've still got to come to terms with and get over. Do you think some of your stuff is your anger in there or exasperation? Or? I think so. Look, I, I said, oh, I don't know, 50 years ago that I wanted to change the world. And I think 50 years later, I succeeded. It's worse now than it was when I started. <laughs> so I changed it. <laughs> yeah, that oh, was. This is great. It's kind of emerging. You know, it's coming. I mean, this guy, he demands a Stedman. He really, Something he, he, was, he was born to, 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 to have you. Uh... <laughs> Tried to lighten it up a bit. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. The sea. The sea, where a man could forget his troubles and the troubles of the world, commune with something infinitely larger and more powerful than himself. Where he could find himself locked in an epic struggle with a creature of the sea, plumbing the depths for that most primordial of needs, food. Well, let's hope we hit them quick.
Oh my god, that's the Coleman. Look. Oh my god. Not Coleman, Gannett. Oh my god. He got the bait. Nature. It's overrated. In the middle of the English Channel. <laughs> we are designed to find, kill, tear apart, and devour the food we need to survive. It is why God in his wisdom gave us legs upon which to run, eyes in the front of our heads to seek out prey, fingernails and thumbs with which to tear apart our victims, teeth to smash flesh and bone between our mighty jaws. Here in the coastal town of Weymouth at the Marlborough is where I'll be smashing deep-fried haddock between my freaking jaws with something called a chip. Slice white bread and butter so we can make a chip butty. Do you like a chip butty? I don't know that I've ever had one. I've heard of them. Delicious. All right. <laughs> You're an easy man to please. The chef suggests lay mushy peas infused with butter and cream. I have such fond memories of Weymouth. My sons went to school just down the road. Yeah. I used to bring them to the Marlborough for lunch and that. And they weren't big fans of fish and chips because they were sort of 13, 14, right. and they preferred meat to fish and chips. Mm -hmm. But this is the best restaurant, in my opinion, in Weymouth. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. That's very kind. Put the mushy peas in the middle. There we go. All right. See, this is how we do it in Yorkshire. So a little taste of mushy peas without vinegar. Right. Go on, Anthony. They're all right. Mm. Now, put the vinegar on. Oh, my. So working class, as I say, in Yorkshire. Mmm. Do you prefer wow. them vinegar? Transforms the whole thing. Completely different, is it? Love buttering my bread. Now, this is the best bit. I can't believe you've never had a chip butty. Well, today's the day. When I was a kid, this was one of my favorites. The only fish I ever ate as a child was fried haddock. Wouldn't eat any other fish. And then the vinegar. Oh. Quite generous. And then the salt. And this is what they call a chip butty in Yorkshire, where I come from. Mm. I like the cheap bread, because the bread turns into the same texture as the potato. Right. That's why it's perfect. If you have posh bread or crusty bread, right. it's not the same. How's your haddock? Good. But it's proper working class food, is fish and chips. You know, when I was a kid, we'd eat them twice a week. Mm -hmm. They cook fish and chips in dripping, beef fat, not oil. Mm -hmm. It makes a massive, massive difference in the flavor. Yeah. Quite good. You were hungry. We worked hard out there. Oh, keeping warm. <laughs> it's big. It's too big. Look, I'm no, done. No, yeah, me too. That's my problem. I go for the chip butty before the fish. <laughs> it's the child within me. away safely behind the walls of a former Victorian-era schoolhouse, insulated from the moronic inferno blazing outside, is Rochelle Canteen, a green idol, the unpretentious brainchild of Margot Henderson and her business partner, Melanie Arnold. How long have you been up and running here? Ten years. God, Ten years? I Where can't believe it. I know. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you were a chef before Fergus, yes? 
Yeah, but I started cooking in restaurants when I was 12. Yeah. But this is Fergus, Pete and their pods. We met when I was working at the Eagle, and I said straight away to him, we should open a restaurant together. Mm. And he said, well, that's a good idea, but let's be lovers as well, which I always thought was quite good. And then we had a restaurant. The whole area has changed around here. It's very Shoreditch, groovy guys on little motorbikes, handlebars. What was the neighborhood like before? Quite a large Bengali community. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was quite a strong Jewish community, but then mm -hmm. they moved out, next group moving. It was a poor area, a lot of people working in the fabric, clothing industries. The bandstand in the middle is all the rubble from the war. I think the gardeners still find you know, children's shoes and things. Really? Um, it is a very interesting area. Just how beautiful these blocks are. There's quite a lot of building works going on at the moment as well. Everywhere in London. And the whole city seems to be kind of transforming. Well, it's certainly daughter, expensive. My daughter, she's moving because of what happened today with the EU. She's going to either live in Scotland or New Zealand. And she's so embarrassed and ashamed to be English. Is it the end of the world? It feels right now, it feels like the end of the world. We're separated. We're a little mean island saying, when the going gets tough, we want to get out and just look after ourselves. It's so selfish and disgusting. There's also, out of London, there is a lot of people who are really struggling and have lost their way and don't believe in what the government has done. So I don't blame the people either, but they've been fed sort of lies, I would say. Anyway, it's all too depressing. We must change the subject. Vitello tomato, cold roasted veal, thinly sliced and covered with a creamy sauce of tuna and capers. Oh, this looks good. These are good. Mm. So what's going right? I mean, it's a bad day to have. Well, there's lots of great restaurants opening in the city. Right. London general. and UK in general has gotten just, just better and better every it's year, right? isn't it? It's so exciting. Great chefs. The people who voted for, was it a sense of people who feel like just they've been screwed? I mean, young people unemployment in the right. North is dire. Right. People haven't got jobs. But, I mean, everyone's looking for chefs. Right. <laughs> we, so, should, we should set up some great big new cookery schools in Britain. I mean, no one can get enough decent chefs. Mm -hmm. Some more encouragement. I mean, there is work to be had, but it's just how you find it and where you come from. Lamb chops with lentils and green sauce. Mm, so good. Where'd this little lamb come from? From Wales. Welsh lamb. People who dine out now, do they want food simpler and more stripped down and with less bullshit, or do you think it's going the other way? Simple, but with a sort of twist. I've got a story about where it's come from. Right. It's very interesting, you know, they're all coming up with new dishes. Should I be buying pounds now? What, yeah, what that's I be what I kept thinking. Were, what do we all do now? If I were a cruelly cynical, exploitative... They'll all be working asshole, out now. What would I, what would I be doing? Are you selling or are you buying? Yeah, I, I, I'm sure. Master of high finance. <laughs> you look so well. Well, thank you. you. You're making a... me feel much better about the, this meal and the wine, I have to say. Your company has made me feel much better about the world and myself. In England or in London? No, because it's, uh, I mean, maybe you can. I'm sure you can, but people are obsessed with class here. Still? Really? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
It's our measure of authenticity. So people are always trying to bust people. He's a toff, you know. What is a toff? An aristocrat, yeah. Right. My friend Adrian wrote a book called The Angry Isle, and he talks about how British are famous for being polite and apologizing a lot, but that that actually masks a deep anger. Do you think there's any truth to that at all? Well, I think, because I've been spending a lot of time in California, which is, you know, it's like when you come to London, if you come to London for a month, right. you won't make any friends, and you probably won't find anywhere to go. But after that, you're the best people that you've ever met in your life. When I went to LA that first month, I was so popular. Everyone's, I started like six bands, and then nothing comes of it. There's a kind of real first impression thing. Right. It doesn't go anywhere. In London, it's just get your head down and deal with it. Right. See, here we go. We're closing. closing. Get Tony some. Staggering news is now sinking in. Markets are giving a brutal reaction. When the world seems like it's spinning out of control and the inside of your skull feels like it's being gnawed on by angry wolverines. The sun has risen on a completely different UK and a completely different EU. When you wake up still tasting tequila, feeling shame, fear and regret in equal measures, it's good to have a friend. Europe's weaker. Britain's divided. Where do we go now? Who, without judgment, gives you a shoulder to cry on and maybe a simple good thing. Like some eggs and sympathy. I'm horribly and savagely hungover. It's very unlike you. <laughs> I was feeling shame and regret and mourning. <laughs> You're not the only no, one. What's happening? Okay, I'm going to give you some eggs in purgatory. Why purgatory? Because they're in chili sauce in tomatoes. Special hangover cure. I know I, you need it. Yes. Now, do you know about the delicacy of fried slice? Oh, no. English delicacy, which is like British bruschetta. You fry plastic bread. Mm -hmm. I've got some really good beef dripping. Oh, kind of magical. Pure grease. <laughs> that's what I need right now. Yeah. I think that's how everyone felt a bit after the referendum, too. There's something very strange about you because you look normal. Mm. But it's all going so... on inside. Yeah. Yes, you have got a slight pleading look in your eyes. <laughs> OK, the whole point of this is the mm. plastic bread soaks in all the fat. Right. So when you eat it, it bursts with grease in your mouth. It's that good. I like the noise. Here, I'm going to give it to you. It may still be a bit runny, but... I like runny. I need runny today. OK. To try it a bit dry first, so you can just get the fats going into your mouth. Mm. There is light and hope in the universe again. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I aim to provide. Spice, runny eggs, and grease—just what I needed. Mm. So good. I have something absorbent. You know that thing in The Simpsons once when he wants to put on weight so he doesn't have to go to work. Yes. And then he allows himself to eat things that when you rub it on something, it makes it go see-through. Your window to weight gain. Yes. Here. <laughs> Here. Just make this turn see-through now if you want. <laughs> I can see myself in about six months. <laughs> I do feel quite pleased that we can be a corrupting influence. That's something that we can be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> These are frightening times for many. The world is changing and there is no stopping those changes. But in such times, there are always two ways to go. Run and hide, build walls, cower in fear and suspicion, point the finger at our neighbors, look like desperate frightened people do for someone to blame. Or stand up and try, at least try, to build a better world. 
to look for instead of a man on a horse to save us or a wall to keep us apart to our better angels. <laughs> 